0: Christianity was born into a culture hostile to the faith. One example is when the early followers of Jesus were called Christians or those Christ folks at Antioch, a Roman city known for its sarcastic name calling. Filled with ridicule and contempt, the name Christians was like calling a group of people country bumpkins. The world has never loved Jesus or his followers, nor should we expect it to. But as our culture becomes more crass and hateful toward Christians, how should God's people respond? For starters, stay focused on the mission. Our founder said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I know the ridicule and name-calling hurts, but love God, love people, and respond with grace. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good.
1: Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Christianity is under attack like never before in America. Ridicule, frivolous lawsuits, open hostility from the mainstream media as well as social media. How should we respond? For answers, Ron takes us back to the very beginning of the church and to a body of believers who face severe persecution of their own. Online you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on your schedule. You can also subscribe to our podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get yours. From Acts chapter 11 and his teaching series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good radio message, The First Christians.
0: Barnabas is the kind of guy that just his personality and nature when he walks into the room, you know, he's, he's, he's loving on people, he's hugging on people. And he's the perfect guy to go into a situation and even into a culture that might be a little bit tense. A gracious person like that might be able to soften the tenseness that is there. And it says that Barnabas, you know, has a ministry while he is there. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Uh, But Barnabas was smart enough to know that the church needed more than just uh, Mr. Smiley uh, to show up, Uh, as contagious as he was as a person and as encouraging as he was. So so Barnabas, who who was um, captivated by what he saw of the grace of God coming to the people in Antioch, he's smart enough to realize the church needs more, and so he sends off to Tarsus for, for Saul Remember Saul of Tarsus? We know him as the Apostle Paul. The last time we read about Saul, I believe, was in Acts chapter 9 and verse 30. And by this time, he, he's escaping Caesarea because a threat has been made on his life. And he, he goes to, uh, from Caesarea to Jerusalem, or not to Jerusalem, but rather to Tarsus, his hometown. He basically goes home. And he's there for a period of time, uh, no doubt uh, living out his faith and ministering in Tarsus, but God had bigger plans for Saul. And uh, Barnabas brings him from Tarsus to Antioch. I I say it's a second dose of the grace of God. One came in the person and personality of, you know, Mr. Encouragement, uh, Barnabas himself. The second came in the apostle that we know as the Apostle of Grace, who otherwise his personality was known to be a little gruff. I mean, he's Saul of Tarsus. Uh, he, he, he was uh, you know, the, the 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 terrorist who who murdered Christians. And he's not as effervescent as Barnabas is. He he's not Mr. Smiley, no, he's Mr. Straight Shooter. But it's exactly what the church needed. It, it, it needed someone to teach them. About the grace of God, uh, not just let it pour out of every you know uh, pore in your body, but uh, through your personality and all that. But but to actually teach them about the grace of God, and this is what the Apostle Paul does through all of his New Testament letters. He he he's so captivated, so amazed by the grace of God. Paul is the grace of God in his own life, that you just can't you just can't read through the New Testament but without getting the sense as we call him. He's He's the apostle of grace. Let me give you one example. Hold your place here in Acts, and let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 for a moment. And Paul is writing to his disciple, his protege, uh, Timothy, and he says in verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. And that's what Paul was. He was a first-century terrorist, the terrorist from Tarsus. He says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, he says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trust- trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. You see, Saul, who later became Paul, never got over the grace of God. It never became commonplace for him. He never uh, became indifferent to the grace of God. He was forever amazed at just how kind and how gracious and merciful and generous God had been to him. Uh, nobody knew just how much he deserved the eternal judgment and damnation of God more than Saul did. But, but he, he writes over and over again about the grace of God And and Barnabas had gotten a little taste of Saul, and and he knew him, and he was there in some of the beginning. And and, and Barnabas could could leak grace into the congregation, yes, through his kind and generous and encouraging personality, but he knew the church needed something more substantive. And so Saul comes, and they minister in Antioch for about a year, just pouring the grace of God into this place. How amazed are you with the grace of God? I mean, really, we we sing about it, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Uh, Do you just let your words mumble over that, or are you still amazed by the grace of God to where you just haven't gotten over it yet? It it just still impacts you that, 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 that God would be so kind and so gracious and so generous to you. And this was Paul. Let let us never become indifferent to the grace of God. You know, as part of our strategy, we we talk about the five G's around here, gather, grow, give, go. And we say, let's do that within a grace-filled community. Does grace just pour out of every, you know, part of you that oozes in conversations? Maybe that's part of your personality and you're more natural in that, or or maybe the Holy Spirit has just so impressed you with the grace of God that you you, you can't help but be kind and gracious to other people. That's what the body of Christ is. Even in the midst of a culture like Antioch that was full of ridicule and contempt and hatred for Christians, a culture that's kind of becoming our own culture, how do we respond to something like that? Well, we stay focused on the mission. There's a mission that is bigger than all of us, but we also respond to such ridicule and contempt with grace with grace, not returning insult for insult. We will never insult the pagan world into faith in Jesus Christ. We will never ridicule them back enough to where they say, okay, you know, you're right. No, we'll, we'll love them to Christ. Uh, we, we will be kind and, and gracious to them. Why? Because we are recipients of the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, which by the way differentiates Christianity from all the other major world religions. I'm talking about Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. Christianity is the only one that talks about salvation by grace. It's, it's the gift of God, the generous expression of God toward us, how kind and how gracious he is. Don't ever get over that, friends. And and become so impacted by that that it just just oozes out of every pore in your being and, and lubricates the body of Christ with kindness and graciousness, such that if somebody from the world walks in there, they're like, what's going on in this place? I've never met such kindness because it's a hard, cruel world out there. It's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there, and our world is becoming more coarse, more hardened, more loveless. What an opportunity for the body of Christ to shine, right? As, as recipients of the grace of God, to be grace givers and, and to just let it pour out of every aspect of us. So how do we respond in a culture like this? Well, we stay focused on the mission. We respond with grace. Thirdly, respond with what I call tangible generosity. Uh, Let's read on in verse 27. It says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. Luke says this took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and
1: Saul. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. Something new is happening at Something Good. At somethinggoodradio.org, we just released a brand new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television. You'll also find Something Good Travel, Something Good Courses, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Watch, listen, and download for free, and when it's convenient for you. That and a lot more is available now at somethinggoodradio.org. Something good exists only through the faithful prayers and financial support of listeners just like you. And remember, when you send a special gift today, we'll say thank you with a gift of our own. The complete audio download of the series you are hearing now, AD Acts of the Apostles. You can donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The First Christians. Uh, Just a couple of things here. It says that
0: um, in these days that prophets were in and around the church. A prophet in the Bible uh, is somebody who does two things, foretells the future and or foretells the Word of God. There were prophets in the Old Testament uh, where God predicted the future for these, through these prophets. They foretold the future by the way, the standard for an Old Testament prophet was uh, whatever he foretold, as, uh, as he said, thus saith the Lord, 100% of it must come true, or he was considered a false prophet. So you can just scratch off all of, you know, horoscopes and astrology and Nostradamus and all that kind of stuff because they don't, they don't you know, achieve that standard of 100% accuracy. During the apostolic era, there were still some prophets who foretold the future. Uh, The prophetic ministry today is primarily the foretelling of the Word of God. That's a whole other conversation. But there was a prophet back in the first century named Agabus, and this is the only time that we're we're, we're told of him, and he foretold about a famine that was going to happen. Luke even puts it in a historical context. He says, this took place in the time of Claudius. and this famine took place. And, and the early church, in anticipation of this, what did they do? They received an offering. They, they passed the plate. And, and they, they put tangible expression to their response to the grace of God. Why do I say that? Now, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that God so loved the world that He, finish it with me, He gave. He gave. Uh, Not just, um, you know, He said in an emotional kind of way, I love you. No, in a very tangible way, He expressed His love. He gave His one and only Son. I always like to say the God of the Bible is the most generous being in the universe. And we who are on the receiving end of His generosity, how can we not be, A, generous of spirit toward other people, kind and gracious? in our responses to them. And secondly, B, uh, have a tangible expression of that generosity through giving. And I want you to notice here, it says in verse um, 29 there, everyone according to his ability participated in this offering for these needy people in, Ju- in Judea who were going to be impacted by... By the famine. Everyone participated. It wasn't just 10%, it wasn't 20%, it wasn't the 80-20 thing. Everyone, according to his ability. In in other words, you know, with the economy God has given you, you you respond. It's not about equal gifts, but but equal sacrifice. And, And they didn't have to, you know, worry about you know, whether they would give a, a, a big offering to this. Everybody participated. And when everybody participated, wow, it was, it was a great thing. You know, I know some of you, perhaps, have been dancing around, you know, that intersection between your faith and your finances for long enough now. And I'm here to tell you that as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a recipient of the grace of God… You know, Peter tells us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the ways we grow is through tangible generosity, the tangible expression of our response to the grace of God toward us, a God who loved us so much that He gave. Listen, if you're not a more generous person, tangibly speaking, with the things that God has entrusted you, if you're not more generous today than before you met Jesus, you need to examine your heart. My son, uh, Reagan, when he was little, when he was in kindergarten, we introduced him to football. And uh, he's not a football player today. Uh, Those of you who know him, uh, if he were to stand up, you'd say, no, he plays basketball. And he does. He plays college basketball. But when he was a kindergartner, we put some, you know, football pads on him and put him into a a peewee football league. And we soon learned that probably football was not in his future because he'd be sitting there and the ball would snap. And... And, you know, you know football is a contact sport, and all the kids would, boom, they contact. He had a way of kind of turning this way and running away from the contact. <laughs> and it was amazing how he could come around just when the whistle blew and right where the ball was, there he was every time, but he avoided the contact, all right? Well, we, we later learned that basketball is a contact sport too, but uh, we, we, we put him on a different path than football. Some of you have been doing this when it comes to that intersection between your faith and your finances and growing in the grace of tangible generosity. You've been trying to avoid that for a long time. And God keeps bringing you back to a moment. Maybe it's through a campaign. Maybe it's through some appeal in a church and you're squirming in your chair about, oh, there they are, talking about money again in the church. No, God talks about it. And He wants us to grow in the grace of, of giving as a response to His grace in our lives. And and it's no accident that Luke, as he's telling the story of the book of Acts here, puts this little story about this prophet named Agabus right here in the context of the church responding to a culture of ridicule and contempt and responding with grace, responding with grace, first through Barnabas, then through Paul, and then through an opportunity to give graciously and generously. Uh, my prayer is that we as a church would model this, that we would grow in generosity because… Uh, not, not because we, you know, have a lot of money or anything like that, but, but because we're so amazed by the grace of God in our own lives. How can we not respond? in increasing levels of generosity, even tangible generosity, as we together invest in the mission, the mission that is larger than all of us, as together we meet needs here and there and yonder, we've seen the body of Christ throughout the book of Acts uh, really adopting a stewardship mentality and casting aside this ownership mentality that says, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. No, this is an early church that says... What's mine is God's, and I'm gonna share it as the opportunities come along. And may that be true of us. Even in the midst of a culture that becomes increasingly hostile, that spits in our face, that calls us Christians with contempt and ridicule, how do we respond to that? We stay focused on the mission, a mission that's larger than any one of us. We respond with grace with kindness, some through kind and gracious personalities like Barnabas, certainly through the teaching of the Word of God as we, as we lubricate this place with a grace-filled community, always amazed by the grace of God, and then through tangible expressions of grace and generosity as those opportunities arise. We're, we're living in different times today cultural Christianity is gone. And I don't think that's such a bad thing because now we get to wake up as a church. People have been saying for decades, as long as I've been in the ministry, we want to get back to being an an Acts 2 kind of church. Well, here we are. (laughs) That culture is beginning to return, maybe not in a Roman candle kind of way, but certainly in a way where the ridicule, the nicknames, the contempt come And let's equip ourselves with a a biblical response, even as we
1: talked about today. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, The First Christians. And Ron, I think today's message is absolutely critical, especially in light of the growing hostility towards the Christian faith. With that in mind, maybe now is a good time to reiterate the three major steps you covered and perhaps offer an example of what it looks like in real life.
0: Brian, although we are still blessed to have great freedom in this country to talk about Jesus and to express our faith in Him, there is certainly a growing hostility toward Christianity in our present culture. And when that hostility lands upon us, I encourage believers to do their best to follow the three steps I outlined over the past couple of days. First, stay focused on the mission, which, of course, is the Great Commission. Second, respond with grace. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance, and that is very often demonstrated in the kindness of his people. Finally, show tangible generosity for two reasons. First, because uh, that's what loving people is all about, making sacrifices for their sake and performing acts of kindness. And second, because in doing so, relationships are established that will open the door for a conversation about the gospel. As an example of these three keys working in perfect harmony, I point you to none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. He was always focused on the mission, In John 5, verse 17, he said, My father is always at work to this very day, and I am working too. Jesus knew why he was here and what his purpose was. He was never sidetracked by mockery or ridicule, but was always focused on the reason he was here. Jesus also responded with grace. Now, he had some stern words to say to the Pharisees from time to time, but even that was an act of grace and kindness. Uh, Brian, the truth always is. A great example is the woman who was about to be stoned for uh, her adultery. Jesus saved her life, and then he said to her, "'Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more.'" It was the perfect combination of grace and truth. Jesus neither condemned her nor condoned her actions. And finally, he was always performing acts of generosity— healing people and feeding people and teaching them the truth of the scriptures. There's our example, Brian, quite an example to live up to. And yet uh, he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out these three steps. It's up to us
1: to tune out the noise and stay focused on the mission. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts about the right way to respond when people are openly hostile to our faith. Well, Ron, as we wrap up this edition of Something Good Radio, tell us where you're headed tomorrow as you continue your journey through the book of Acts. Brian, it's no secret that our present culture is fascinated with the concept of
0: angels. We even had a popular television series in the 90s called Touched by an Angel, which aired for nine seasons from 1994 until 2003. Uh, Many people, even many who aren't necessarily believers in the person and work of Jesus Christ, believe that angels are watching over them. Well, in Acts chapter 12, we get sort of a behind-the-scenes look at the early church and also at the role angels sometimes play in our lives. I'll get into that story next time, as well as offering what I call a brief theology of angels
1: when I continue my teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. Join us then for something good as Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Angels Watching Over Us. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.